0: This is the Locked On Aggies Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On Aggies Podcast, your daily source for everything Texas A&M Athletics. I'm Taylor Travis. I'm your host. If you're not already following the show on Twitter, I suggest you do so at Locked On Aggies. You can also follow myself at TaylorTravis15. And right now I'm joined by a special guest. Actually, the first guest we've ever had on Locked On Aggies. So you should feel pretty special.
1: Yeah, I do feel pretty special. This is big, man. This is big. It's pretty big.
0: Big game this weekend.
1: I don't know if that says a lot about your podcast, though. That I have to be the first special guest. You're a special guy. Oh, You're a special guy. You, I have, appreciate a, you that. have
0: a unique view of the game. If, in case you don't know, Jake Kaberski is KBTX reporter, anchor,
1: camera guy. So you see the jack game, of all
0: trades. You see the game through the lens of a camera, which That's is it. very unique.
1: Sometimes, hopefully, hopefully, I, I, if I if I know that I'm seeing the game still, it means I've actually focused the camera right and I'm following the ball. Because sometimes when I don't know where a play is. You get that like that sinking feel in your stomach. Ooh. So it's the one time I hope the Aggies never scores when I'm not following the ball. I'm like, no, 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 don't, don't do anything this play.
0: So what percentage of the time do you have the ball? What's there's your like, success rate?
1: So I'd like to say that the success rate is pretty high. I'd say about ninety five percent. But there's that five percent window that, of course, something good is invariably going to happen, and I'm not going to have it on camera. But that's why they that's it's, why they take two of us. That's why right. Daryl goes too.
0: So it's one of those things where it's like the one time you mess up is going to be the one time. Right. Yeah. That's right. how life goes.
1: It's like, you know, it's a seven nothing game, and the one play you weren't shooting was the touchdown. So it Years. happens.
0: It happens. Hey, I'm happy to be on. At halfway point of the season. Hard to believe. Six games down, six games to go. Right. The thing about college football season, at least to me, it takes so long to get here. It drags, it drags, it drags. And then once it, get, it gets here, it flies by. It's really like Christmas, fast. man. It's like Christmas. It's Exactly it's like the buildup. When you're it's a up, kid, you start opening presents, and they're gone. And it's over,
1: just like that.
0: You gotta just wait like a whole that. other year. That's exactly what college football season
1: is. And especially, you know, because there's so much excitement and so much anticipation leading up to the, you know, year one of the Jimbo Fisher era. Oh, yeah. And now the fact we're already halfway through, it is pretty crazy.
0: Halfway through, this has kind of been a recurring theme this week. Kind of like our takeaways, you know, at the halfway point. Mm-hmm. What are some good takeaways you've had? or some bad takeaways?
1: I think the biggest thing that jumps out at me, positive-wise, is just how tough this team is this year. You know, yeah. I think the 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 narrative in so many past years was the fact that Kevin, someone coached Texas A&M teams, weren't as tough as they needed to be. And I think that was most evident as you got into this half, or at the I guess second half of the season, really from this point of the year till the end, was the fact that they just weren't physical. They weren't in games in the second half. They just weren't doing what they needed to do. The biggest, like I said, takeaway in year one is just how physical this team really is. And I think as evidenced, if you want to pick a game as a sample size, it was this Kentucky game. I don't think a yeah. Kevin Sumlin coached a team no. shuts down Benny Snell and wins a hard-fought 20-14 to game. I think I last week was, was kind of a microcosm of this entire season. I
0: think the one instance for me that really told me that the players are buying into Jimbo Fisher, that the uh, culture is changing, is if you remember the Clemson game where Courtney Davis fumbled the ball out of the back of the end zone. right. I don't think a Kevin Sumlin team would have gotten a three and out after that. Well, I think I they would have rolled over. I think they would have hung their heads. But that it was, really told me that Jimbo Fisher's fingerprints already on this program. Right.
1: And I don't think it would have been that close anyways. I no, don't think would, we would have I don't would. think we would have been talking about a Courtney Davis fumble out of the back of the end zone, right. possibly costing them the game anyways, because I don't think a Kevin Sumlin coached A and M team would have even been in the same ballpark as Clemson in in the fourth quarter. But you're right. That's actually a great point.
0: Another good takeaway I've had is just how the players are buying in. Anytime you have a new head coach, especially when it's two coaches who are complete opposites, I'm not saying one way's right, one way's wrong, but Kevin Sumlin and Jimbo Fisher, completely different styles of coaching. Jimbo Fisher inherited a bunch of Kevin Sumlin players, and there's always that worry that some of the players aren't going to buy in, they're not going to respond well, some are going to transfer away. There were a few. There were a few, but it seems like to me, for the most part, people are 100% bought in right players are buying in they like jimbo fisher they're adapting to his coaching style and it's working really well
1: right and the players loved kevin sublet don't get me wrong he was a a great ambassador for his kids i think he actually is is still a really good coach i think he is too but you know you're right it was a completely different change coming in with coach fisher and his staff and and they kind of went in with the mindset okay these guys aren't as tough as what we need them to get we're going to get on their butts we're going to make them tough but like you said, they've embraced it. They've they welcomed it with open arms. They've welcomed that tough love, that tough coaching. Um, and, you know, the couple of times, I guess, that we were both able to go out to practice and see in fall camp where it really is tough. It's and Those different. guys, absolutely. You know, there's no music at practice. Um, there's a lot of coaching going on all There's the no time. sugarcoating.
0: You know? Absolutely
1: not. No, hey, if you mess up, you know that you messed up. And then even when you do something well, it's, okay, well, how could you have done it better? Or how right. could you have done it differently? Do it next time. Exactly. Yeah. Like, make that a habit. You know, that's what that's what Coach Fisher always says. He's like, you know, don't work to achieve something. You know, work to do something, and you. it's impossible for you to do it wrong. Right. And I kind of butchered that. But it's kind of the, the, the ballpark. Yeah, close enough. Kind of the ballpark of that statement. But, yeah, that's kind of been the biggest thing. It's just, overall, kind of wrap things up, just how tough this team is now.
0: Yeah. The run defense has been impressive. And to me, the big thing about that is, they haven't really changed the formations. They're not stacking the box. They're stopping the run with just your normal seven man front. And I think that what that tells me, Mike Elko, is as good as advertised, at least so far.
1: Mike Elko and Coach Schmidt as well, the new strength and yeah. conditioning coach. Yeah. With under Chavis and and under you know, uh, I'm thinking i drawing a blank on who the DC was before. Uh, uh, Mark Snyder. Coach, coach Snyder. Yeah. You know they weren't. I don't think ever in the in the top fifty in run no. defense. And then, yeah, like you said, you know, Mike Elko's first season, and they're in the top five. Right. But that is that's something to be said. Um, and, and he, I think he's done a great job. He was a great get from Notre Dame. I know the, the rumor was, well, Coach Fisher wanted Brent Venables. But if <laughs> if you can't get Brent Venables, this might have been the, the best yeah, guy to get. So he might be. So, uh, but, yeah, that's, I mean, number four in the country right now. Yeah. Super impressive.
0: Against some teams that run the ball really well. I think Benny Snell is the best running back in the country. And Alabama runs the ball well. Uh, Clemson likes to run the ball, right? So it's not like you're playing teams who can't run the ball, right? They're playing a legit competition, and they're stopping the run.
1: You know, uh, Etn and then Damian Harris, and then like you said, Benny Stell, a very, very talented running back. And I mean, they they virtually took him out of the game. Yeah. He only rushed for what 13 carries, uh, 62, 63 yards. Yeah, just yeah. I mean, it, he he was basically a non-factor. Yeah, and that's something to be said because coming to the game, he led, uh, you know, arguably I think one of the country's best conferences in rushing, and, and that you know that very impressive the way a really shut down uh, Kentucky's approach.
0: What about Kelamont? Is there any doubt that he's the quarterback of the future?
1: Oh, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. And, and I I feel like if there was, we would have already seen an instance where Nick Starkle sees more playing time mm-hmm. at, at, at critical moments. But that's one of the things, you know, yeah, he's a sophomore quarterback, but in a way, he's still kind of a freshman because he's still learning a new system. And I know he had a spring to go through it. I know he had a fall camp, uh, but he still doesn't have that first year.
0: I don't think he's played a full season yet. He hasn't. He hasn't. Yeah.
1: I mean, he, you know, he had the five starts or six starts last year before before Starkel came back. But you know, I think there comes a point in time where you have to pick a guy, and if you know he has talent and you know he has potential, you have to ride with him. He's a sophomore quarterback. Ideally, you know, you like to think that at least on paper, you're going to have two more good years with this guy, where he has a season under his belt with the system, and there's going to be ebbs and flows. Um, obviously, everything centers on a quarterback in terms of how productive your offense is. But you hope that you have enough guys that are part of the supporting cast that if Kellen's having a bad day, i.e. like what he had against Arkansas, there's enough of, of a supporting cast. And you've got a strong enough defense where you can still come away with a win or be at least in a position to win a ballgame.
0: I heard all offseason that Kellamon's accuracy was improving. And I was heard. I heard he was taking huge strides. I still wondered, though, because his accuracy last year was not good. Right. Not good at all. Nick Starkle is a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. So I still have my doubts that maybe Nick Starkle's is going to be able to pass him up. Then you heard Jimbo Fisher say, whoever wins the team wins the job. And I always kind of doubted Kelamon from a leadership standpoint because he's always seemed kind of timid. He took a huge step over the offseason just leadership-wise.
1: And that's some of the things the guys have said is just how much more vocal he's got. Yeah. And, and he, I think in the past, his style of leadership was maybe more of lead by example instead of lead by voice. Uh, and I think it's become a little bit of both now. Obviously, yeah. he tries to do things the right way and, and lead the team in that manner. But as a quarterback, you've got to be vocal. You've got to be And I know they don't huddle anymore, but when they do get together, you've got to be like, hey, we need to do this or this or that. Or on the sideline, rallying the troops, getting your team ready to go. For instance, you mentioned that, that Clemson game where Courtney Davis fumbles out of the end zone. When that defense is on the field, you got to rally the troops. Get the yeah. guy's mojo back and be like, hey, we get the ball back. If we're in a position to score, let's go down the field and score. And and I think that's where he's maybe most improved. Really, maybe even more so than his on field production. I maybe agree. how much he's improved off the field and the intangibles regarding that.
0: People forget he was 18 last year. He was I a agree. true freshman. His struggles, he was thrown in the fire. I mean he had to play Alabama as a true freshman, and that was arguably his best game. Mm-hmm. So he's definitely born for the spotlight. He's not afraid to step up in those type of situations. I definitely think he's going to be a Top two or three quarterback in the SEC by the time his years over at Texas A&M.
1: I, I think that's a fair statement. Just got to get the consistency yeah. down. But again, yeah, he's a true sophomore quarterback. Yeah. And uh, again, I mean, this first year in this new offensive system, and and really, it takes a year to get comfortable in an offense. Yeah. And uh, you know, he along with everybody else, still learning.
0: Big game this weekend. Big game Saturday, two thirty against South Carolina. We're going to talk about that right after this. Uh, before we do that, let me tell you about Sling TV. You know, my pet peeve is when I pay for cable and I pay $100 a month and I don't watch maybe 360 of the 400 channels I pay for. But with Sling TV, you don't have to worry about that. It's the best way to watch college football. You get your ESPN, your Pac-12 network, your SEC network, so much more for just $30 a month. No useless channels. There's no long-term contracts. That's big for me because I can't stand whenever I sign with a cable company and I don't like it after three or four months and they charge me a huge cancellation fee. That's just a big no-no. I hate that. But with Sling TV, that's not a thing. There's no long-term contracts, no hidden fees. You can cancel anytime you want. Sling TV right now has a special deal for you, my listener. If you go to Sling.com right now, you get a free seven-day trial. Sling.com slash locked on. That's S-L-I-N-G.com slash locked on. A free seven-day free trial just for being my listener. Again, Sling TV is the best way to watch college football. It's college football season. If you're thinking about making the switch, don't worry about missing out on the big game because Sling TV has it. It's only $30 a month, no useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and you can cancel anytime you want. If you have it for a week, you decide you don't like it, no problem. You can cancel. Again, there's no hidden fees. Sling.com slash locked on. Your free seven-day trial. Get it today. Sling.com slash locked on. This is the Locked On Aggies podcast. The Locked On Aggies podcast, your daily source for everything Texas A&M Athletics, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. I'm Taylor Travis. I'm your host. Alongside me is Jake Kaberski, my special guest for today, talking special South Carolina, Carolina, Texas AM. You are special to me. You you were willing to join me, and that says a lot about you.
1: Hey, I appreciate that. Happy to be here.
0: Big game Saturday, 2 30, SEC network, Texas AM, South Carolina. You know, I look at this team talking about South Carolina. I look at South Carolina. There's a lot of unknowns to me because it looks like a team that has a lot of talent and they just haven't been able to put it all together. And it seems like that's a trend this year in the SEC. You look at Auburn,
1: you look at Mississippi State, you look at South Carolina, kind of the same trend. Right. Well, I mean, South Carolina, I think we kind of maybe overhyped them yeah. a touch because they came out of nowhere last year. They go, what, nine and three, nine and four? And everybody's like, "Whoa, Will Muschamp, he's got it going." You know, everything's happening, everything's going good. And he goes six and seven in his first year, which is a lot better than expected. It's like, okay, the Carolina program's trending up. Maybe they're coming back down to earth a little bit. I think the biggest thing with them is they don't have a quarterback who's healthy. Right. And and in fact, that may be a one of the most difficult things about game planning. If you're a And M for this Carolina team, is you don't know if it's going to be Jake Bentley or if it's going to be. Um uh I, I butcher his name, so I'm gonna not Michael be- Skarnekia. Yeah, there we go. Skarnekia. I was about to say it and I'm like, Well, I'm gonna let you say that. <laughs> it's like me trying to say Tua Tu Tua, Tagaviloa there you go. Tungova. Viola.
0: There we go. There we go. Well, As Scar- a radio guy I have to know how to pronounce things. See, so. I just
1: say Tua in my in my T V reads, it's ah oh, Tua throws the ball and that there was a go. great touchdown pass by Tua. But anyways, it's either be Skarneke or Bentley just having a game plan for that, but they've gotta have a healthy quarterback to be yeah. honest. Coach
0: Muschamp said yesterday during his teleconference that he does expect Jake Bentley to start. Bentley, obviously the more experienced guy, is a junior right. who started since he was a freshman. He's a talented guy. This year he's been a little bit disappointing. I thought he was going to take a big step up this year <laughs> with the offensive line a little bit more experienced. Debo Samuel, another. I mean, if you have Debo Samuel, he's a guy.
1: And that, and even if he's covered, you get a guy named Brian Edwards, yeah, and he's exactly. also a really really dangerous he guy. So weapons. opposite sides of the field, you've got two really good receivers to throw to. You got a decent running back core, decent offensive line. If you're if you're South Carolina, so you're kind of right. It is surprising to see his struggles, and maybe it's something, maybe it's been a lingering injury, and right, could you be. know, because sometimes coaches they're known to maybe not uh, to to say what what's all going on. So maybe we don't know the full story. But the thing is, you don't want to let this game be a trap game where right. you're going in on a Carolina team that struggled against Missouri, barely beat them. Great game last week, by the way. But you know what? They're they're three and two or. Or four, yeah, they're three and two, I think, on the season. Yeah. So, you know, you don't want to walk in on the road in the SEC because every road SEC game is tough in a, in a hostile environment. So, that'll be, the, I think, the biggest challenge.
0: That's why I'm not too worried about being a trap game, so to speak, because it is the first true road game Texas A&M's played. So, I think they're going to be prepared. They know the challenges. Well, aside from Alabama,
1: but they've been right, basically to Alabama right. a lot Alabama. before. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, I forgot about Alabama. Um, I tried to forget that game.
1: Seriously, yeah. seriously. I think everybody does if you, if you play Bama. Um but yeah, you know and Williams, you know, it's been uh, I guess you you think back to the 2014 game which was awesome, you know, back in the days of Kenny Hill. You think back to 2016 where Trevor Knight had a good outing. Um and and historically A&M has played really well against South Carolina, uh, 4-0 in the series since uh, 2014. But again, uh I, I think you're going to come away with uh, with South Carolina's best shot simply because too I think you, you look beyond the field is Will Muschamp is a guy who has a lot of history against Texas A&M. He so does. I think he kind of gets up uh for for this game a little bit.
0: And the players on that South Carolina roster, they've played A&M several times, never beaten them. Right. So it's kind of like the Arkansas game. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of guys who have never beaten A&M. There's been a lot of close games.
1: And you know There's it's going to be big, a lot
0: of motivation. T- they are a big rivalry
1: too, you know. The Bonham Trophy per per the SEC. Per the SEC. The, the James Musch Bonham Cham- Trophy <laughs> our SEC cross-division rivals, so a uh, huge rivalry game, right? No, but I think that's that's my biggest takeaway, too, is just going in and making sure it's not a trap game.
0: You know, before the season, I remember I was hosting a show on The Zone on KZNE, and the question was brought to me, what's the most important game on the Texas A&M schedule? So I looked at the schedule, and I circled this one. Because you're about to enter a three-game stretch, three road games, you could easily go 0-3. Right. You're playing three good teams. They might not have been playing up to their full potential, but you look at a team like South Carolina, like Auburn, like Mississippi State... Those are three teams who I think are a lot better than how they've played so far this year. I would agree. So if you don't win this game, it's kind of a slippery slope. you got to get swing. off to a good start. Yeah, yeah this season
1: is. could really swing the other way. It's you know, four and three, or five and two rather, looks a whole lot better than four and three. Yes, it does. And you move to five and two with a win with a win Saturday. So yeah, you know, you're four and three, then you're struggling, okay. You're gonna have to struggle to, to to maybe get bowl eligibility. Right. But if you're five and two, you're feeling good about yourself, then you've got a bye week to prepare. Um, you know, this, this is, this is, could be a big win, a win or a loss, regardless of the result. The result is going to mean a lot uh, for a down the stretch.
0: So you're making the trip to Columbia, right? Right.
1: Getting up real early, getting that flight real oh, early no. out of Houston and headed to Columbia. We're flying to Charlotte, then driving down.
0: I have mixed feelings about early flights. You know, it's not as crowded. Usually, you know, you can kind of leisurely get through security, get on your plane, at the same time, it's early.
1: Yeah, but the only like the the one time. So I went to that 2014 game, uh-huh. yeah, the Kenny Hill game, the great game.
0: I was about to ask you if you've been to Columbia. Before. It,
1: it, it was it was a lot of fun, great weekend. But we had to fly on one of those like and we even flew into Charlotte. Then we had to fly in these like little regional jets. Oh yeah. And I like I like to fly. Yeah. But it was just something about you hit turbulence in that little jet, and you've got one seat on the one side and only two on the other side. It's like the
0: press box of Kyle Field. it exactly. starts swaying war, and yeah. you can't really get yeah.
1: comfortable, and. and and so that's going to be basically my night's sleep is on that plane after covering high school football Friday night. So I don't know. It'll be worth it. Once the game gets yeah. going, it'll be a lot of fun.
0: How's the atmosphere in Columbia, by the way? I've never been. It's so.
1: it's actually one of the best places, really? I think, in the SEC. And wow. I think it's a lo- I think it's really underrated. I think when South Carolina is winning, it's one of the best home field atmospheres in the conference and really in college football. I think back to to that 2014, uh, 2014 game again when they were preseason number nine, or they were ranked ninth in that game. It was awesome. The tailgating scene was great. Um, it was a sellout. So you have, I think it seats about a little over $85,000 at, at Williams' price. It was awesome. And they, and they well, waved their own version of the 12-man towel. So everybody's got towels. It's just, it's really cool.
0: It's definitely on my bucket list. I mean, I've been to the Swamp. I've been to uh, Tiger Stadium. been to Auburn, Ole Miss, uh, Alabama. Never been to South Carolina. But I keep hearing South Carolina is that one atmosphere that one stadium it's that a
1: hidden gym I think people can really really I see I you know and I, I think that uh, it doesn't get enough love is what it should yeah. it, when South Carolina is winning it's a really tough place to play
0: I'll have to make the trip sometime
1: it, you should I would recommend it
0: so what does Texas A&M need to do to win this game we're gonna talk about that right after I tell you about vivid seats you know I'm a sports fan Jake's a sports fan we both enjoy going to games but sometimes the big question is where do I go to find tickets well the answer to that question is Vivid Seats. Why? Well, one, they have a 100% buyer guarantee. That's a big deal to me because sometimes when I get tickets online, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But with Vivid Seats, it's a 100% buyer guarantee. Number two, for you, my listener, I have a special offer for you. Right now, Vivid Seats is giving new customers $20 off orders of $200 or more with a promo code locked on. So go to your phone, go to the App Store, go to Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app, enter promo code locked on and you'll get $20 off your first order of $200 or more. Remember, you have to be a new customer. There's also a 100% buyer guarantee. If you're looking to go to the game, the concert, maybe there's a big play you want to go to, whatever it is, if you need a ticket, go to Vivid Seats right now. Again, there's a 100% buyer guarantee. And if you're a new customer, enter the promo code Locked On for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event like they've helped me time and time again. Once again, enter promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. You're listening to the Locked On Aggies Podcast. The Locked On Aggies Podcast, your daily source for everything Texas a and Athletics, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Taylor Travis. Alongside me for today's show is Jake Kaburski of KBTX and College Station. Sort of the jack of all trades, as we talked about. There's really nothing you can't do, at least that I know of.
1: I think that's a that's a very... Over her, I don't know, overstated description.
0: But I, I'll take it. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah you should. Endorse you me should. on LinkedIn.
1: Thanks, everyone. As you should.
0: Texas A&M and South Carolina, 230 SEC Network in Columbia. Like you said, you'll be there. Great atmosphere. Tough atmosphere for Texas A&M to walk into. It's going to be fun. That being said, what does Texas A&M need to do to win this football game?
1: I think the biggest thing is, and one of the biggest takeaways I noticed is Carolina has done a really good job of adjusting in the second half. They have. I think that Texas A&M, especially... On the road, and I think specifically against South Carolina, they're going to have to score fast. Kellen Vaughn's going to have to get the ball in the end zone. Travion Williams is going to have to get the ball in the end zone. We'll touch on this a little bit more, but Travion, I think, has a good chance of doing that. We'll tell you why in just a second.
0: Ooh, that's a good tease. That's a good tease. There you go. There you go. One thing I think needs to happen, and this is so generic and obvious, but you can't turn the ball over. Kellen Vaughn's been able to get away with it against Kentucky at home against Arkansas at a quote-unquote neutral site that I think favored A&M tremendously. Right. But when you're on the road, when you turn the ball over, it hurts you almost 10 times more than if you're at home. So Kellamon for whatever reason, last two weeks, he's looked a little bit off. I think it's just growing pains. It's going to happen. He's a sophomore, like we talked about. He's going to need to have a big game. He's going to need to take care of the football. Texas A&M can't afford to give South Carolina any free possessions.
1: Absolutely. Especially, like he's mentioned, especially at home, yeah. especially with that crowd. Um, that's that's huge um Can I get to my nugget? Go I'm ahead. Ex- real excited about this. <laughs> all right here Real we go. excited about this. Here we go. So, we talked about Travion, how important it is to score fast, and obviously how Travion Williams is the SEC's leading rusher, one of the best backs in the conference. So, AM has the 24th best rushing attack. South Carolina's rush defense ranks 99th in the country. It's not great. That is going to be a big matchup right there. And if AM can exploit that, they're going to come away with a win,
0: and vice versa.
1: Yeah, so vice versa. South Carolina rushing attack is 74th of the country, and we've already talked about it. A&M's rush defense ranks fourth in the country. That's a nugget, my friend. Two favorable matchups. That's why I brought you in. All combined. You look like nugget. you had something up there. Oh, this is this is big. Another if thing, I never come on one of these podcasts again, that's gonna be that that ranks up there in nugget history right there.
0: Something else Texas A&M needs to do or can't afford to do is let Debo Samuel run loose. Right. You know who Debo Samuel reminds me of? Correct me if you think I'm wrong. He kind of reminds me of Christian Kirk. He's kind of that all-around guy. He can return punts, he can return kicks. Uh, He's just that playmaker who at any point... He's the explosive play guy.
1: Yes. You know how Christian was just an explosive play guy that could change the direction of a game? That's what Debo Samuel is to South Carolina.
0: And what worries me about that, Texas A&M secondary, very suspect, very... They give up a lot of big plays sometimes.
1: They did. A lot of what I think uh, what Coach Fisher called uh, chunk plays. Yes. things Things of that nature. Uh, and and I think he talked about it a lot. They were guilty of these eye violations, yeah. whatever an eye violation is. <laughs> I don't have access to the film. Or I, w- I wish I could sit in some of those those film se- uh, sessions. Uh, but they've really cut down on that the yeah. last couple of weeks. You notice against South Carolina, um, I th- or, or against Kentucky, rather. Right. They did a really good job of I, I think um, you know, keeping the receivers at bay, making sure that they were able to make either open field tackles in space, uh, or you know making you know the pass breakups, playing really good really good pass defense, and so. It was a suspect area early on in the season, but it has improved, I think, the last couple of games.
0: The secondary definitely has improved. In fact, I know this during the Kentucky game, Texas C and M got several sacks. I can't remember how many off the top of my head. I think a couple of those, you need to give the credit to the secondary. Right. Because the receivers just could not get open.
1: And I think part of it too, you know, twice in what the first couple of games, first three games, uh their their leader in the secondary, Donovan Wilson, was ejected from the game because of targeting. So you don't have a guy that can you know, get a tell big young, interception right, thing. Right. Or tell the younger yeah. guys where to go, or just really, you know, a guy of, of his stature you know, gets kicked out of a game. I think that it kind of throws everybody off.
0: Right. No doubt about it. Another thing, Jimbo Fisher said this during his teleconference yesterday Keaton Sutherland will not be playing with an ankle injury. Do you think that's going to be a big deal? Do you think that's going to play a factor?
1: So I don't think it's going to be a huge factor, uh, simply because, you know, with that matchup discrepancy that we talked about in terms of South Carolina's borderline atrocious rush defense it's pretty bad and but Travion Williams I think is a good enough back to where in he'll overcome that and I think a has enough depth at that position where I think they'll be
0: fine yeah I agree with you that Connor Lamphere, a senior who's probably gonna step into that role a guy who has a lot of experience he's mm-hmm. had a lot of playing time he's had a couple of
1: starts under his belt as yeah well.
0: he does so I don't think there's gonna be a huge drop off but it's something to keep an eye on for sure anytime you lose one of those tackles you gotta think pass protection right but uh, we'll see how that plays out We're actually almost out of time. Prediction? Uh,
1: Texas A&M 31, South Carolina 17.
0: Nice. I was going to be somewhere right in that ballpark. I think Texas A&M makes a statement on Saturday. I have a feeling. It's kind of a gut feeling. Well, offensive explosion? You you see the way the teams match up? I'm going to go Texas A&M 34, South Carolina 13. Ooh. 34-13. Texas A&M covers that two-point spread and makes a huge statement against a good South Carolina football team on the road. It's just a gut feeling to me. I think Travion Williams rushes for about 160 yards, a couple touchdowns. That's just my feeling. I think it's time that Texas a kind of takes that next step. Under Jimbo Fisher, I think we're going to see a team that continues. They continue to get better as the year goes on. That's something that we haven't seen in a long time. But Jimbo Fisher talked about it during his weekly press conference. They have those little GPS trackers on their players. Right. The players are getting faster. Their acceleration is getting better. They're getting stronger. That's something we haven't seen in a long time. If you're a Texas a fan, that should be exciting.
1: Two of Nick Saban's old assistants going at it, and the Palmetto State give me a good one. The battle for the Bonham Trophy.
0: I can't yeah. wait. I hope A&M takes that home. It just like hoisted, you know. Midfield. Well, well, the thing is, they don't take it home. It goes back to the Alamo. Wait, does it really? So, yeah, it's actually at the Alamo on display. I always as wonder of this where, because I've yeah. never seen it. Never go, seen let's it. Let's go see it. All right, let's, let's do it. Let's go see it next week.
1: All right, tomorrow I don't have to go in until two o'clock to cover games, so we'll just drive to San Antonio, go see the Bonham Perfect. Trophy. Perfect. Let's do it. Perfect. That's going to do it for
0: this episode of Locked On Aggies. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back at it on Monday morning to recap the Texas a and south Carolina game. But until then, thanks for listening to Locked On Aggies, your daily source for everything Texas a athletics. I'm your host, Taylor Travis. Alongside me for today's show was Jake Kaburski from KBTX. Thanks again. Hey, always a pleasure. Again, the Locked On Aggies podcast is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.